Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Growing Band Director podcast. My name is Kyle Smith, and joining me is my friend and colleague, Jeff Smith. Our mission is to share practical advice and explore topics that will help every band director, no matter your experience level, as well as music education students who are working to join us in the coming years. Together, we will discuss many aspects of a well-rounded band program, but most importantly, we will discuss concepts that help us all improve our own programs each and every day. Always remember the famous quote by Ray Kroc, when you're green, you're growing, and when you're right, you rot. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to the Growing Band Director Podcast. This is episode number 63. I'm going to be meeting with Glenn Schneider here in a couple minutes about his wonderful service and website, musicmastery.band. This is a, a wonderful way for your students to be able to interact with other people. Uh, and it's a, a wonderful service. So I'm, I'm, we'll get into that uh, shortly here. And I'm really excited to bring that to you. But beforehand, uh, we're on a snow day here where I teach. And there's an opportunity for uh, me to talk a little bit about uh, managing an honor band. So I'll do so pretty quickly. I, I've managed um, upwards of 60 honor bands um, between jazz ensembles and concert bands throughout the state, as well as... Um, district region honor bands and I've, I have some things that I do that that tend to work really well so I wanted to share that with everybody the reason it was on my mind is because today is supposed to be the day one of honor band and of course it's a snow day so we're gonna have the wonderful one day festival next um, sorry tomorrow and uh, it's funny because rule number one for me in managing honor band is get a fantastic conductor get a fantastic teacher, I guess less conductor, more about the teacher aspect. You know, there are wonderful college teachers who do a great job, and a lot of times people forget about the wonderful high school directors who are in your area who have fantastic programs and would do a great job for your kids. So, you know, in our case, I chose Dean Neal, uh, who teaches now at, at Nokomis Regional High School, and he's a fantastic teacher. If you haven't checked out, back from June, we did an episode called Singing With Your Band and, and all the stuff he does, um, and that helps his students over all these years. And so if you want to hear a little bit more from Dean, um, check out that episode. Also, we might be doing one tomorrow on the car ride down. We'll see how that goes. Um, however, because we have Dean, you know, step one for me was done. Like I chose a conductor I knew the kids would really be able to learn from and have a fantastic time with. And, and then from there, the step two is always help them select appropriate level of music. Now, I know that seems basic, but if your gut um, thinks that the music is a little bit too hard, it's probably too hard. And nobody wants to go into an honor band and have the music be too hard. You know, so knowing where that sweet spot is, if you're new to the to the uh, managing role, always make sure you find out the programs that worked in the past, especially the last few years, and then try to keep it around that same level. I've, I've found that around here, if we have a push piece, that's a symphonic piece. Because it's a larger band of about 100, and most of the kids around here don't play in a band that large, um, it usually works if we do a push piece that's a symphonic work. For example, uh, El Camino Real worked really well. Um, I thought that was on the border of too hard, but it actually worked really, really well. Um, so, you know, make sure that you are choosing music that's appropriate level. If you choose four pieces, make sure you have one that you know you can do without. For example, if you have a, a one-day festival, okay, we're obviously going to do three pieces now because we only have you know, we have less hours to rehearse. So choose the right conductor, help them select appropriate level music um, and, and be okay with saying, no, I think that's a little too hard or, 
you know, maybe it's too heavy in this area, not heavy enough in that area. You want to respect the conductor. You want them to do what, what you want. You want them to be able to select the music. However, you know, a good conductor will understand that you need to guide them uh, as well. So very rarely is it the case that it's just the first program that they select is what we actually do. Uh, I think in this case with Dean, it was, even though I can't remember. So I'm not sure why I said that. Um, all right. So help them select the, the music and then have it ready early. So a lot of people wait till auditions and then they order the music. That doesn't make much sense to me. I've always wanted to have the music stuffed in the folders or on Google Drive, like however your, your district does that, ready to go so that when we have the auditions and the minute you have the results, you can send out the parts. You know, kids kids love having all the time with the music to practice it and the directors find it helpful as well you know if you have a festival and it's three weeks before the festival and you haven't gotten the music yet you know that's you're not setting your kids up very well for success so have it ready early and sent out and very clearly labeled what kids are playing right if it's a first second part make sure you circle one or two or so they know what they're supposed to be playing um, also it's really helpful to make sure you're really organized with the percussion end of things uh, we're lucky here in my district now we have somebody who's doing that. Haley Frankor, shout out to you. Um, you're doing a fantastic job on that. If you don't have somebody and you're doing it all together, just make sure you figure out what kids are going to play and label that on their part and communicate that to them so they prepare the correct stuff. Um, when you arrive to the festival, make sure you're organized. Make sure you've been clear with things like where they're going to sit. So first, you need to have a, a great seating chart to get to give the host so when you arrive, the host has had a chance to set up that seating chart. Um, most of you know about this website, but I bet you some of you don't. When I found out about this from Phil Edelman about four years ago, it rocked my world. So bgreco.net, bgreco.net is B-G-R-E-C-O.net. And you can easily create these customizable PDFs um, of seating charts. So what you can do is uh, in row, say you have, say you have four rows, you can put like, I have 10 in row one. And I have 10 in row two and I have 20 in row three or whatever. And it immediately does one for you. And then you can click on edit labels and then you can just start typing, right? You can start like piccolo, comp, uh, enter, flute one, enter. And then it will label each one for you. You can use kids' names or you can use, um, you know, their instrument number. And, you know, I'm sure there's lots of other ways to do that that are good um, methods. If you have one, please reach out to me at growingband.com and uh, send me some more ideas on how, how to do that. This is one that works really well for us. And uh, then you can just share it and save it and have it. Um, then what I do is I have their chair names all ready to go. So, you know, when you got a hundred kids in front of you as a conductor, it's really helpful to be able to know each kid's name. So what I typically do is I'll ask them to uh, take a piece of paper and fold it out and over the over the stand so that it says Johnny clarinet one, right? So that's, that's pretty easy to do. And to me, helping them find where they're going to sit, I get, I kill two birds with one stone. So what I'll do is I'll print off a hundred pieces of paper. Each one has their name, but what I'll do is I'll start, like, if you're looking at the band, the front row on the left, and I'll just do them not in order of instruments, but in order of seating. So I'll go from left to right with the first row. And then right where I'm at, I'll go right to left with the second row and then left to right with the third row and then right to left with the fourth row. And then what that does is it allows me when I have like four minutes to uh, when I arrive there with my school and I need to get everybody a place to seat, 
I can just snake right through the band and easily put things down. And then the kids know exactly where they're going to sit. Uh, after that, um, you know, when they sit down, I'll ask them to, to put it over their stand and uh, you're ready to go. So, um, you know, make sure you have, you know, scheduled things appropriately and there's enough rehearsal time and all that and work with the host for that. But basically those are the, the things that I do to make sure um, the kids have a great honor band experience. To me, it's a, a really hugely important part of your program, right? Region band, all state, whatever it is, uh, all nationals, all Eastern, all whatever. Um, getting getting a, a great conductor is really, really the key. A great teacher, um, having them do a correct, correct music uh, that works for the kids, uh, making sure that it's ready early and that you're organized and you got your your seating chart ready and your names on the chairs. Like those are those are my basic steps. Um, so thanks for, thanks for, uh, doing that. If you haven't managed before, I, I really think it's a wonderful thing to do. Not only are you able to make sure that the kids succeed in your region, but you're able to meet some people and you get to choose who comes in. So then say, okay, I'm going to choose Frank Battisti or whoever it is. You, you choose somebody who's right for your group in your area. Then you get to hang with that person, Frank Battisti or whoever. You get to hang with them. I brought in John Thompson one year. That was a wonderful experience. I brought in so many people over the years, and you just get to hang with them. I got to hang with Alan Baylock for three and a half days. He was a great guy. Uh, you know, flew him up, and I uh, uh, got to hang with him for a long time. So you get to eat dinner with them, usually paid for by the district. You know, you get to you get to ride in the car with them, and you pick their brain and all that. And then, if you're so inclined, afterwards, say, okay, for that festival, I spent 14 hours watching rehearsal, or I spent 14 hours discussing band with this person so then have your department chair or somebody running the festival sign a little certificate that you make that, that goes towards your ceu hours for your recertification um, and you get real professional development that is really helpful for you and also um you know it goes towards what you need to do to recertify every five years or whatever it is for you so um all right so next we have up glenn schneider from music mastery dot band and it's a wonderful uh experience that your your kids can have and uh it's really revolutionary i'm really excited to bring this to you so uh first let me show you a quick clip about uh, what it is glenn's going to introduce it and then we'll have him on i'm glenn schneider creator and director of musicmastery.band if you're in band and studying a musical instrument you might want to know the secret to progressing quickly and mastering all of your music. For over 20 years, I've taught elementary, middle, high school, and college bands, and I can tell you that the best musicians are always the ones taking private lessons outside of rehearsal. That is the secret. The key to becoming great at an instrument is private lessons. However, less than 10% of band students, on average, take private lessons. So why is this? In my experience in music education, there are three reasons that usually hold students and parents back from pursuing weekly lessons. And this is why we created Music Mastery. Here's just a small clip from musicmastery.band. We know how expensive private lessons can be or how difficult it can be to fit them into your busy schedule. We also know how productive rehearsals are when everyone is prepared. What a concept. Built by band directors, for band directors. For the first time ever, there is a resource 
where you can learn exactly how to play your music by watching professionally produced video tutorials that are customized for each piece you are playing in band, including fingerings, techniques, breathing, rhythm, reading tips, and more. All right, Glenn, nice to see you. Um, thanks for being here, musicmastery.band. Really excited to have this session. So the video we just played ended with a bit of a teaser about there are three th big things that hold band students back. Could you reveal those for us? Sure, and, and thanks for having me. Um, I really think that um, the three things that, that hold people back from, from doing a lesson uh, experience would be, number one, the cost, of course. And depending on the area of the country that you're in, um, it could be 80 to $90 a month, but it could, of course, walk all the way up to $140 a month, right? And so if you have multiple kids in a family that are involved in music, this can just, this can re really rack up quite the bill. And um, I think they're worth it. I think all kids should take private lessons. But in reality, some parents probably can't afford it. So mm -hmm. the, the first thing that holds them back is cost. The second thing probably is convenience, right? It's it, it, driving really far for a 30-minute lesson can can sound like, oh yeah, we can fit that in. And they may, might do it for a week or two and try out a teacher and then maybe it fizzles because it was just too much. Or sure. as every band director knows, oh yeah, I have lessons going. And, but when baseball starts in March, yeah, goodbye, the, the lessons are gone. And then sometimes that's the end of the road. They don't really go back to doing lessons, right? And so I think the convenience factor, um, even though I think it is again, worth it, you should drive across town to do a 30 minute lesson. That's how you become a great musician. A lot of the time, these families just can't pull it off, right? Um, and then I think the last thing is kind of a results piece. I think there's a big question mark in a parent's head about what do you do in your 30 minute lesson? And of course, the great lesson teachers, they don't just have you come into a lesson and ask you, what do you wanna work on today? That's, that's probably the worst question a lesson teacher can ask, right? A good lesson teacher knows their students, they know the trajectory that they're on, and they have a plan, right? They're a true professional lesson teacher. But let's let's face it, you know, a, a lot of lessons are exactly what I mentioned first, which is, what do you want to work on today? How's school going? 15 minutes of chit chat, that kind of thing. And I think we've seen in a lot of ways, online learning, video learning um, has really helped us all kind of cut to the chase a little more. Uh, the learning is a little bit more efficient and the learning is a little more targeted, I would say, in a video lesson, um, live lesson, and certainly in a pre-recorded lesson, like the ones that we're, um, that we're offering, it can be rewindable and you can go back and, and really, really like hone in on what, what did we do right there in that specific section of the lesson. So I say results is kind of the third piece because I think you could get a lot more out of a video lesson in some respects than a private lesson um, if you are indeed needing that. Now, there are some things that the video lesson can't do that a private lesson can do, and I'm, I'm never going to argue that. Um, I do think that the private lesson is always better, but this is offering something that's very specific and the results of, oh, I, I want to learn my clarinet two-part or my trumpet two-part on this piece is very specific and I would think would get you some great results. So cost, convenience, 
and results. Yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, you made it pretty clear. Your kids who are already studying privately keep going. Like that's that's what we want to do. Oh well, man, 100%. This, this service is to help those kids who would like to, but for whatever reason, you know, and that resonates with me. I have an eight-year-old and 11-year-old and I've got two days a week after school that I'm a taxi for about four hours. This to that, to this, to that. And we don't do too much. It's just, you know, you want to provide that for your kids, but you're right, a half an hour lesson. Well, if it's a 20 minute drive and you got to leave a little early and you got to get there a little early. And then on the way back, you do this. I mean, it's, you're talking an hour and a half for a half an hour lesson kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a dad too. And I, I grew up in a musical household and, and, you know, lessons were very normal, you know, and, and that's what we do as musicians, as aspiring musicians, you, you should go spend all that time to get that nugget of wisdom every week, because you do see the amazing effects of lessons. When you see your first and second chair players in a band that take lessons, the rest of those students are always thinking, I, I can never be that good. Well, if you had lessons, you probably could be very quickly. <laughs> Right. Um, they're very worth it. And so, uh, yeah, back to your point, it, it's definitely not replacement for lessons. This is, in my opinion, if you take any band pro program across the U.S. and you take all of that data and you look at how many kids take lessons, I, I'm guessing you're in the 10 to 15 percent uh, rate of kids that take lessons uh, versus those who don't. So what do you do with the rest of the 85 or 90%, right? Mm -hmm. Do you just always say, well, it's my responsibility as a band director to give them what I can, you know, realistic, of course, but probably not as effective as saying who out there can help these kids, right? And so uh, what we've provided and what we've built out is something for that other uh, population of students. So we're really hoping that, that this is an addition to the supplementary lesson program. This is not going to replace it. Yeah. It's funny uh, that it's so organized and we're going to get into how it works and all that and, and why I think it's so great. Um, but you know, I have a student who after COVID was studying with the horn professor, I think down in Miami or something like this great horn professor from far away. And they're like, I don't really need to take it from somebody here. I can just go from anybody. And that sort of has opened up our eyes, our eyes with that. Um, one reason why I like it, I'm really into the people who are educator, music educators specifically, and innovators. They have a skill set and they have a vision, and then they kind of go with that vision. And with them, they take all of their expertise, all of their experience in the classroom as music teachers, and then build something like you have that that helps many, many people. I've interviewed John McAllister. I've interviewed, oh man, I can't think of everybody, all these people who just do all these great things. And it's just because they say, hey, I think there's a niche for this. Um, and they want to do it. What I think is so brilliant is you're taking, okay, the student needs more instruction, right? Um, you're taking the college student who needs experience teaching and needs to get their name out there as well. And, um, and then you're taking the band director who needs support. They need more help, more teachers, more, more ways for their students to do it. And you've sort of created this collaborative uh, arena for all three of those things to fit together. Yeah, the, and thanks for putting that together because that is exactly how I, I see it and how I kind of dreamt it up. Um, being a band director for 21 years, you start to figure a couple of things out. And I think the biggest thing that you figure out after 21 years of teaching is that you can't do it by yourself, mm -hmm. right? Teamwork and all that stuff. But how, how accessible 
is teamwork really for the for the band director, right? And how much work is it to build a network of lesson teachers that can come in and do sectionals and volunteers in the community that can come in and give inspirational talks to kids? I mean, these these are things that it sounds really easy. Yeah, just just put together this twenty person team to build your band program. In reality, how many band directors even have the skills to do that, or even the the network of people to even start doing that? Um, and being that I've taught college as well, um, I taught three years of college at, at Wheaton College part time, teaching the band there. And what I what I noticed is that they were so eager to want to teach, right? I mean, think of all of our music ed methods, uh, majors, all the all the time we spent in in school. Every time you take a class and every time you listen to a lecture, all you can think about is I just want to be in front of kids and doing this, right? You, you have that dream of of being helpful and, and giving instruction. And so, yeah, to, to that point, um, I think a huge um, resource in the music education world is undergraduate and graduate music majors. And some people might make the argument that they're way too busy to add anything else onto their schedule. But um, I think a one-on-one -on -one lesson or a video lesson that takes 20 minutes to make in a practice room is very doable, you know, and, and we pay our college students to do this service, right? That's why there's a membership cost. And um, I, I wanna see music majors, music education majors, especially, I wanna see them making some extra cash on the side and saying, this is a legit job. This isn't just a project I worked on. This is, I'm employed, I have a job at this company and we help kids all across the country learn their band music. Um, think about what a great resume builder that is for those college kids. And think about also um, the, the pressure that this takes off of the band director, right? And saying, I don't even have to call somebody and line something up and get a check cut from my secretary and fill out a W-9 and like all the stuff that really makes uh, bringing people to you uh, maybe a little more difficult. This is like, yeah, it's all over. All you have to do is encourage your students to sign up for this. And even if a few students from every program use this, think about what a residual effect that would, that would have in those sections and the whole band. Um, and then really the student, of course, so the college student, the, the band director, they're getting what they need and they're getting some more experience, they're getting some support. But then the student, of, of course, is getting like this very unique product where, um, and we can probably get into some of the comparisons later of other sites um, and other products that are available. But think about, um, you know, a product like Smart Music, for instance. You know, we're not trying to be Smart Music. We're not trying to compete with Smart Music. This is not Smart Music. This is show me how to play my clarinet two part, but I want to hear how you breathe in on beat four before you come in on the end of four on that staccato eighth note. You know, smart music could never do that, right? Because it's not built to do that. But this product is more about how do you become a musician? How do you approach the music? And so I think there's a lot of value that a student can gain from watching somebody explain how to play a piece of music. Um, and my, my favorite thing about this is they're watching performance majors and education majors in college play their grade two trumpet three part. Like 
there doesn't there's there, there's nothing better than listening to an amazing musician play easy repertoire because mm -hmm. of course as we know if you put a piece of grade one snare drum music in front of me i'm a percussionist i'm not just gonna flack through that piece and play it like i'm you know bored i'm gonna make it nuanced and i'm gonna put in my own creative musicianship into that so when these college students who are really high level performers are playing your grade two band piece I mean, they're getting the cream of the crop example of how that should really sound. Um, and that was always what I wanted as a band director, right? Let's go down the line and listen to everyone play a, a part. And you're starting to say like, wow, that was a great performance because you crescendoed there. Or, mm -hmm. wow, how did how, you phrase that really nicely there? Why did you breathe right there? And that's what they're going to be picking up on this. Probably can't pick up on those things if you don't have someone breaking it down and explaining it. So that's that's what we're trying to do here with that that trifecta is the support for the band director. Maybe the rehearsals become more efficient because all this nuance is being explained in the videos. Um, of course, the college kids are getting more experience. You know, in some ways, I'm really trying to almost elevate all three of those areas. I want the students to get better. I want the bands to be better. I want the band director to be helped, of course. And then, you know, I, I want that college student to learn how to teach better. So it's it's really building a lot of things, scaffolding a lot of things at one time. So a couple of thoughts. Um, when you have them working on their trumpet two part, I assume that's part of the instruction you give to the to the instructor. Hey, they're, you're teaching this part, but you're teaching them how to be a better musician through this part. So I like that you talked about the how you're going to breathe. And, you know, when you play this part, it's staccato. So make sure this part of your tongue is moving and, you know, things, things like that. Um, so they're using that as a vehicle. W what about... Um, do you have people who are also working on other music that's not band music, or is it basically specific to the band part that they have, like like more traditional lesson material? Right. Okay. So basically, when you become a member, there's two uh, areas in the site that you can basically use. There's the fundamentals series, where it's always accessible for everybody anytime as a member. And we're constantly kind of adding lesson topics and our instructors are making those topics. So I'm the one prompting them of what I want them to make next. So, you know, the first videos that we had to make were um, posture, breathing and embouchure and tone production. That was a video. And so every instrument has like that basic fundamental, how do you sit? How do you form your embouchure? How do you blow into the instrument? How do you make a sound? And they, of course, um, they, they come to those videos with a little bit of a different angle, depending on what instrument, depending on their experience. But it's, you know, very broken down, 10 to 15 minute video on that topic. And then, you know, moving through a warm up. How do you warm up on the trombone? How do you warm up on the clarinet, right? Um, so they're bringing some some helpful warm up techniques to those instruments. And then... As, the, as it comes further down, the techniques, of course, get a little more uh, complicated or um, um, you know, a little more advanced, right? Yep. So you have things like how to play with vibrato on the flute, right? And um, double tonguing, those kinds of things. So yeah, it's more of a pedagogical sequenced um, uh, lesson idea. So they can go back to those videos and I've asked the instructors to constantly reference those videos too. So if you're in, a, you're in a lesson and you say, 
oh, measure two right here. This, it says trumpet one, it says solo, you know, and, and this is going to need some vibrato. Maybe they're not going to spend the entire lesson teaching the vibrato, but they can say, here's what that vibrato might want to do here. Maybe it's crescendoing or here's, here's how I would do that. And then if you want some more help on vibrato, go back to the fundamentals video because I made one on that topic. So they're they're trying to cross-reference, cross just like we do as band directors with our warm-ups, right? We say, mm -hmm. all right, 10 minutes a day, we're going to warm up. Why do we warm up a band? Well, because we, we were saying that the things you work on in the first preliminary 10 minutes of a rehearsal are your teachable moments. And we're going we're gonna to hope that that warm-up time in, in the rehearsal are the things that will, will really um, come into every rehearsal and help us down the road. And so it's the, kind of the same thing here. So there's the fundamental series, and then there's the more specific band repertoire help. I want to put a quick plug in. Um, I have a meeting with somebody named Dr. Robert Grogan in a couple of weeks, and his whole he has a presentation he gives on how to run um, effective rehearsals from the podium and all the things that great band directors can do from the podium and off the podium. And a lot of that is that warm up time. And he, he's going to talk a lot about things like be consistent, be firm, but don't be predictable and, and all those sorts of things. So I just, I mentioned that because what you're talking about there, we have coming up in a couple of weeks as well. Um, yeah, very nice. so I also think back the, the older I get and the more experience I have, I guess I'll put it that way. Um, you know, most of our students are interested in performing their band music better. There are students who want to get better at their instrument because they want to get better at their instrument and they want to work on all the technique stuff. But I think the word sneaking in is not right, but kind of getting in all that information through their band music. Because if you look at the average kid, okay, I have a concert at three and a half weeks. I can't play any of this right now, but why am I working on Clark study number three? Like I want to be able to do this. Um, so the more and more I teach, the more I see the value of working on their part for the concert. Um, and I think it's great that you can you can get in all the pedagogy that you can through that as well. Yeah, to, the, to that point, there's a, there's a really great article that um, H. Bob Reynolds wrote, um, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, I think it was in one of the music educator journals, um, but it's, it's uh, titled, The Repertoire is the Curriculum. Mm -hmm. The Repertoire is the Curriculum. And... Kyle, I, I agree with you. You know, it's tough because sometimes the, the euphonium part or the bass clarinet part is, you know, goose eggs for 18 measures and some and then some rests, right? And then the, the other parts are much more advanced or challenging. And you, you could say, well, that, that student might not be able to, to learn at, curricularly or pedagogically what this student can from their band music. Right. And I, I, I agree 100 percent with that. And it's why it's important to pick great music and not only just listen to the music, but look at the score, look at the parts, you know, but like literally lay the parts out on the desk and say, like, my my baritone player is going to get that piece and play it for four months. I don't know if this piece is right for me. It's It might be a great piece. It might be phenomenal, but is this the right piece for my band and my students right now? Maybe not because and, the piece might be amazing, but does it serve the needs of the kids and do the parts serve the needs? And the fact that you're talking about looking at the parts, I was taught by Dale Perkins a long time ago, 
a lot of band directors come, he, he has a music store where you can just go through all the charts and all that. And people look at the scores and we all look at scores, but you're right. Looking at the individual parts, he says, you, the, you see what the kids see. And then how many times have we looked at the parts? And just for that reason, we're like, oh, I don't actually have a mallet player who can do all this. Or, right. oh, we need two and I don't have two bodies. Or my baritone saxophone player is my best player. And this is all whole notes, right? So that's yeah. I, that people looking at the parts is so important. And planning ahead. I'm somebody who's really into programming about a year ahead of time. When I do a concert that next week, I'll program that same concert the year after. Now, of course, it's going to change. But that whole planning process, you're not in a rush to go, okay, we're starting rehearsal in 20 minutes. I don't know what we're going to play. Let's do it now. Um, another plug, I didn't plan this at all, but in a couple of weeks, I'm meeting with Onsby Rose, who has a, uh, a clinic. Uh, he's a composer and a teacher, a band director. And he has a clinic that he's doing at Iowa Allstate or no, Iowa Music Educators, all about programming for success. And I'm, I'm sure these are a lot of things that we're going to talk about. As yeah, well. that's one of my passions, actually, um, is repertoire planning. I mean, I, I love to talk about band repertoire. And I've, I've been lucky enough to work with some amazing programmers, I would call them, like just people that are really gifted in picking music. I mean, that, like that is, well, okay. I, the one that I can really think of um, that, that comes to my, to, to my mind when I talk about this is Margie Pappas. I taught with Margie Pappas um, at Oswego High School for about, uh, well, six or seven years. And she always created these amazing concerts. And um, she, she played more repertoire with her bands than typical band directors because she wasn't afraid to pair a grade five with a grade two. Right. And most high school directors, and, and we could talk about middle school as well, but high school directors, they're, they're trying to play something like a three piece set. Right. And it's, I need to play a lyrical selection and maybe a transcription and maybe some sort of overture for band or some, some sort of, you know, um, a specific band repertoire piece. And mm -hmm. they, they've got some formulas baked in there. Um, but a lot of, a lot of what they don't consider mm -hmm. is the audience, right? Like, is the audience even going to enjoy this? And what I loved about Margine was that she really thought about the audience and the parents and the community, because if the parents don't like the music of the concerts, I mean, should that really matter? No, but does it matter? Yeah. Yes. If the parents love the concerts, they, they want their kids to be in band. They want to pay for private lessons. They, they want to support you. Right. So you can't just always be playing all this esoteric band rep that doesn't really connect to your community and there's a there's a place to go to festival and there's a place to have a hometown concert and all those ideas yeah. but i really think that programming um is important and you mentioned a year out i teach a class at vandercook um, um that talks about programming a year out and we Wonderful. have spreadsheets and um essentially it's it's we we break it all the way down to what you're going to teach week by week by week based on your repertoire but we don't start saying, I'm going to play one piece in E flat and one piece in A flat, and I'm going to play one piece in 6 8. We, we start with the repertoire. What do you want to play? And then we go into the score study and we say, um, you know, what are these pieces in combination with each other? What are they doing for you? Wait, maybe you should move that piece to the next concert cycle mm -hmm. because did you know you had four pieces in the key of B flat? Oh my gosh, right. I never even thought about that. Or C minor. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, and, and it happens. And and that's what I think about when I go to band concerts is I go, 
oh, those are three great pieces, but they're all in C minor, right? For instance. Yep. And then you say that to the band director, hey, did you know all three pieces were in C minor? And they worked on the pieces for four months. They go, oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah, you're right. And, and we've all and been there. <laughs> oh, I have been there. We have all been there. And, and it's not like, oops. It's like, why didn't I even, what, what am I doing, right? You just want to quit, right? And yeah. um, planning really far out is, is so important. So I, I agree with you. So you mentioned the name Marjean Pappas, and I knew I knew her name from somewhere. She's one of these people that um, that it stuck with me. So I just pulled up because um, one of the pieces we worked on a number of years ago was, was called Sola Sané by Hazel, right? Um, so that's where I learned her from. So as she was retiring, hold on, I'm, I'm reading this right now. Um, winners I can are tell the from, story, man. It's a, it's a, I was at the premiere. You know, I let's, was, I was let's, re- let's do it. I'm just going to say the phrase that turning on the band room lights every morning for 37 years was her passion. Uh, so Sam Hazo, I knew Sam Hazo because I went to Duquesne University and he also went there. So I, I had met Sam Hazo back in the, the late 90s when he was just getting started as a composer. Then um, I came out to Oswego, started teaching there and Marjean was looking to have a, a piece for her last concert, you know, commissioned and, and the boosters helped out and things like that. And she, she contacted Sam Hazo. She loved his music. And so this was a really neat little, you know, marriage of my worlds. Um, so he writes, starts writing this piece for her. And um, the piece is just a great reflection of Marjean. Um, it's, it's reflective and lyrical, but then it has all that, you know, really cool Celtic and Irish drumming and flute and woodwind flourishes. Um, it's the ballad, the, that percu- the ballad that percussionists like. <laughs> No, oh, it's it's killer. And as yeah. a percussionist, I'm like, just yeah. wait for it, guys. This just play the mid- just play the middle over and over again. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and yeah, and of course, Sam Hazo is a percussionist, and he yeah. you know, he throws it all in there. So the the thing that's cool though is I, I've done that piece so many times. I can't even count now. Probably ten. You know, um, I've done it with the Wheaton College Band. I've done it with high school bands. I've done it with a freshman band. I've done it with a top type band like it, it works at so many different levels that's a great piece that kids love it's also a piece that audiences love mm-hmm. um, it's also a technical piece right it's got a lot of fun technique in there it's a piece that kids just like working on and i think we were getting to the point uh in the conversation earlier about you know programming and why do you program things who are great programmers Marjean um was a great programmer and 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 this piece is a great example of the kind of piece she would play. You know, maybe maybe this doesn't fit into a festival class. Maybe it's a little too um, cliche for some people. I don't know. But it's the kind of stuff that when I listen to it, I get the goosebumps. I love it, right? Mm-hmm. And so she wasn't afraid to just program things for the sake of programming them. She, she wasn't afraid to put a beautiful ballad in grade two next to two grade five pieces with her top band. And I always appreciated that of her because she said, is this a concert or is it a class performance in an auditorium? We get so caught up in the saying, oh, we're going to have a concert. But remember, this is just a reflection of what happens in the classroom. Okay, I, I agree. And I think that that is, that is of course, the, the, the forefront of why you're performing. But it's also a concert. So let's make it a concert. Let's Let's mm-hmm. actually have some variety. Let's and she wasn't afraid to do that. And I just, I always appreciate people that are actually creative. They're actually artistic in their choices. They're not just 
clicking boxes and saying, we played the pieces that are on the list. And, and, uh, and, and she, just, you can, she always challenged people. You can take, I mean, a couple other pieces come to mind that are much easier and almost of the pop variety. One is Michael Brown's arrangement of Hallelujah. And another one is, I think it's Paul Murtha's arrangement of A Thousand Years from Twilight. And both of those are like, I've actually taught those with decent bands and you can teach a lot of musicianship sometimes and you get a buy-in from kids and you know i wouldn't put it on a festival any day but hey it's slow six eight there's a lot of moving stuff there's key changes there's i mean it's like there's so much you can do with those correct arrangements i've got got another great example of of not being afraid to program that kind of stuff so um i when i taught at matia valley high school i always taught the second band I was like, you know, the, the the main director of that band. We we usually would share some conducting between the bands, but I that was my my group, the second band. And you know, the second band's a, an interesting animal sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Like you could have years where it, it appears that the kids are having a great year and the kids love band, and then a bunch of quit, kids decide to quit, and you're like, what's going on here? And there are always those kids that they love music, they're kind of good at their instrument, but they're not quite good enough to make it into the top band. Their their motivations are kind of all around, all over the map. Um, but um, what's the time of the year that students start making decisions about quitting? Right now, well, January. January. Yeah, yeah, this is it. We're right. We're right there. So, what kind of music do you play in January? The hard festival Nelly Bell, stuff. <laughs> all of the hard crap, right? All yeah. the stuff that they're like, I, the kid, the kids are looking at you in rehearsal, going like, "I'm with you because I love you, Mr. Bandrector. I'm with you always, but like, I kind of don't like this piece, right?" And if you have three or four of those pieces, and you're playing them for four months in a row, getting ready for that March or April season concert. And then it's winter and the, the counselors are saying, make sure you have this in your schedule. It can be a very easy decision for them to say, you know what, like band just isn't doing it for me right now. Well, I started being very intentional about that. I would program pops type, you know, quote unquote pops music right into that March concert. So that in the month of January, a good example is one of my favorite pieces. There's a Tokyo Kosai uh, arrangement of Super Mario Brothers, mm. and it's it's hard. It's super hard. I mean, it's kind of a professional level pops arrangement written for Tokyo Kasai. Well, I found an arrangement of it. I got it. I passed it out, and we we would always work on it when I programmed that in January. The first year I did that, um, it was kind of one of those pieces that I said we're only going to rehearse this on Thursdays or Fridays. By the way, so don't get too excited. Well, they couldn't wait for Thursday or Friday. And I'm sorry, but playing all those Super Mario Brothers licks, man, that stuff is not easy for percussion all the way up to the flute. And there were years when I did Super Mario Brothers in January, my other music colleagues were thinking, man, this is not really legit to be doing this kind of music right now. But my retention was through the roof. Mm -hmm. I have like zero kids not continuing or one maybe like because they were walking into class going, you know what? I dig the music. I dig the music. So. Yeah, well, I, I do something very similar as well. Many years I've done, well, so I do a February, first week of February concert. We did a middle December concert and then we do a February concert and then an end of March concert. So I might have to under-program just a little bit in March, but that allows me to do twice as much music. And in that first week of February, I'll either host a college and we do a, a, a combined piece with them, or a lot of times I'll do a movie concert where you're right, I'm doing all pops stuff that's movie, but it's good 
arrangements and good music. And then I'll have kids custom do um, um, like iMovies that has from the original movies that you play over the band that fits with the arrangement you're doing. And the parents love it. love it. Kids love it. And you're right. It's that time of year, man, we're kindred spirits. Um, love oh, it. Another piece that's in that um, crack for band kids is the Incredibles, that Jay Bocook arrangement. That's one of those. I know it. Yeah, man. I know. Um, back to Sol SNA. The only thing I found that stops me from doing that piece is if I don't have good soloists in the woodwinds, because that opening part that has the, what is it, piccolo flute, is it oboe, bass clarinet, something bass like clarinet. that. Bass clarinet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I found if my kids are weak there, I won't do the piece, but such a great piece of music. Translates to ye yesterday's joy. Yep. Uh, it's it's one of my favorites. Yep. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to your site. Um, so let's walk through this. What, a, you know, say a parent or say, say band directors who are listening to this want to, you know, present this to their kids. What does it look like from a kid's and a family standpoint from the beginning to when they're using it? Yeah. So it's, it's pretty simple, really. Um, so if people like what they see on the site, they're intrigued, they can get some information on the site. Um, once they become a member, they are, you know, kind of going back to the two parts of the site, they are either looking through the fundamentals videos and able to, you know, get a lot out of those, those um, basics videos that the instructors have already made, mm -hmm. or they are requesting lessons to be made for their music. So if I'm playing the trombone two part um, on a piece of music, I can request a lesson on that. And then the college student is going to make probably between a 10 to 20 minute lesson on that part. And, um, you know, those lessons stay with the kid in their little library. And um, as they stay with the program more, they, that, that library grows. Um, but what they really get out of it is, is this breakdown of the piece. The video themselves, and by the way, you can see a lot of examples of these videos at uh, our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and search music mastery band or music mastery band, you'll find it right away. But we've got tons of examples up there already. I think there's um, over 80 over 80 videos now on, on the YouTube channel showing you what the fundamentals videos look like, what the repertoire videos look like. And so you'll notice that the instructor will always start out with a uh, playthrough of the piece and they'll count the rests. They'll, they'll go all the way from the beginning to the end measure and make sure the student can see what it's like to watch a person Again, my example before, what does it look like and sound like and feel like to watch someone come in on an entrance, right? That's kind of cool to break that down. Mm -hmm. um, and then once the playthrough is done, then they go back to measure one and they start talking about the piece. All right, what's the style? What's the terminology used in the piece? Uh, what are we seeing, you know, throughout the piece articulation wise or, oh, there's a solo here. We'll have to talk about that basically a, a walkthrough of the piece. And then they go phrase by phrase, breaking everything down. Here's how I would do that. Here's where you might want to breathe. This rhythm is awfully tricky. Here's how it sounds. You might want to play this rhythm on a static note. And then here's how to add the notes in, right? Or here's how to slow down a run on the flute. This is really going to be, you know, quite a 16th note passage here. This is how I'd break that down. And so these college students, of course, they're like in pedagogy heaven because that's what you do in college. You, you get very analytical with your lesson teacher and you break down things every week and 
in your repertoire as well as your um, as your lesson content. And they so probably need, like they probably need to go to their teacher and say, "Oh, how would I teach this again?" You know, could be, could be, yeah. And I'm I'm hoping that they and I and I already can tell um, from all the videos that have been coming in from them that they are absolutely thinking about this. I mean, the, the students I chose were were very recommended and very vetted. Um, I interviewed all of them. I really got to know them about their experience, their their ideas about music. So these these college students are just rock stars. Um, so to have these this caliber of a player breaking down the parts and showing your students how to play again that you know trombone two part whatever. Um, you're getting a lot in a, in a little bit of time. You're, a trombone player is not only going to get the sound, but like, oh, we have to slur here. Oh, this is, so this is what slurring on the trombone sounds like. Yeah. You know, you, you, your band director probably told you this, but mm. this is how you actually do it, right? There's going to be a lot of pedagogy being thrown at them. And my favorite part about this is you can rewind, you can go back and watch that guy play that thing over and over and over again. I think that's what's so different about lessons. Like how much does a lesson teacher cover in 30 minutes? A lot. But what if the kid forgets 20 or 30 or 40, 50% of the lesson because Which they do. it was just so much fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we did, like, your kid gets in the car. What'd you work on? I don't know. Oh my gosh, <laughs> a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because it's kind of more of an osmosis experience, right? This is more very objective experience. I can go back and analyze it over and over and over again. So that's what they're really getting is they're getting that they're getting the playthrough and they're getting the breakdown of the piece. And um, this is not musicmastery.com. This is musicmastery.band. People have to be careful. That's oh yeah, we have our awesome URL, musicmastery.band. That's yes. wonderful. If you go to musicmastery.com, it's a whole different deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's also a part up up here. It says. Uh, on the top of your site, auditions coming up, question mark, musicmastery.band instructors can make tutorials to help you prepare for your auditions. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I would hope that if a student was part of this site and the, their band director handed them a packet and said, here's the auditions for next year's honor band or for symphonic band, whatever, right? That they would say, oh, I'm going to go to my site. I'm going to get a request on this music. And then, of course, that lesson teacher is going to take the same approach. Here's a playthrough. Here's a breakdown. And um, I hope that students come in and, you know, win an audition. I hope that they come in and wow their band director with all this improvement based on these videos. Um, because, again, how many students are actually able to take advantage of private lessons? I mean, if they are, it's they're, they're always mon, uh, you know, mountains ahead of the other ones. Sure. So it, I, it could really level the playing field a little bit. Is there anything about your service that we haven't talked about that you want to bring up? Well, I, I would say um, I would say that what I want band directors to think about is um, reaching out and asking questions. Um, you know, it's a website. It, it doesn't talk back to you. But if there are some questions that you have about how we could work together um, to make this work, I mean, there, I, I I didn't make this I didn't make this website for band directors to buy subscriptions. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone's budget could probably afford that, right? But if there are some ways that we could work together and 
and and and and make this even better, I would say reach out and and talk to me because I'm I'm interested in supporting teachers. Um, that's why I teach at Vanderka College. I want to help people. That's why I built this website. I want to help people. Um, that's uh, I, as a, as a kid growing up in the band director world. My mom and dad were both band directors for their whole career. Yeah, I saw them as great teachers and great human beings and very hardworking people, but they did it by themselves. And that's what all band directors do. We go in there and we do it by ourselves. And um, if I can help you and, and I can put something in front of your kids that takes time off of your schedule where you can then do more score study and more planning and more reaching out, more networking, that's only going to help you in the end. And, um, you know, a band director job is a huge job and many people only can pull off one component really well. Mm -hmm. um, so if it's that you, your students have great instruction on the private, you know, individual side, and this is able to serve that need, you know, let's, let's talk about how we can work together. Amen. Um, before we close, are there any, any, like, is, I like to kind of end with sometimes a message to band directors as someone who is a band director and has lots of experience if there's like one sort of nugget of wisdom you could share with them. I know I'm throwing yeah. this on you, but. No, I love it. Um, this is, I'm very passionate about this topic. Um, so a, a quick little story um, about year 10 of my teaching career. Um, I was in a newer school, uh, well, brand new high school, Matia Valley High School. We had a very seasoned principal um, who came in to observe me do a lesson, of course, right? And uh, watched my lesson, walked out. We set up the post-conference meeting, of course. I went into his office. How did most of those go? Well, I, I would think for most music teachers, a typical post-conference meeting goes like this. The principal looks at you and says, I don't even know how you do what you do. You're amazing. Like, you're just amazing. What you do with those kids is amazing. And then really what you're thinking is, give me some feedback. You know, like, I'm, a, I'm a teacher just like all the rest of them, right? Well, this, this principal was a little different. He was he had had a whole career of coaching and being a guidance counselor, English teacher. He had lots of wisdom, and he was just one of those guys that, that could be very direct but be very kind. And so I was a to shot, you know, band director. I knew what I was doing, and I, you know, I had a lot of good things going. I certainly didn't know everything about how to be a great band director. But this principal, um, his name was Jim Schmidt. He said to me, he said, man, you're, you're really good at what you do. He said, do you think you're maybe holding back a little bit, though? I, I get the sense that you're holding back. And that's a very subjective comment, by the way, right? It's like, right. Wh wh what do you mean I'm holding back? No, I knew exactly what he was saying to me. It was lasered into my skull when he said that to me. And I said, yep, you're right. I am holding back. You're right. And he said, why, what, what's going on? What can I help you with? And, you know, at that point, the school was almost brand new, but the bands were not as good as they were going to be dead down the road. And I said, no, it's, it's hard. I, can't, I came from another high school where the bands were a little better. We're kind of building this program right now. And when I get in front of them, sometimes I, I get discouraged about how they sound. And I, I probably don't really give them like the passionate, Glenn Schneider that my other kids were used to. And I, I think I'll probably be there when things get a little better. And he basically said to me, well, that's, that's too bad because I think they deserve that right now. 
And I would say this to every band director, whether you're year one or year 31, that um, we all tend to hold back. We all tend to not program a piece that we want to program because of what someone might think. We all think that we, you know, probably should say this to the kids, but oh, it's going to hurt their feelings or um, maybe being genuine or raw in a rehearsal. You know, like, let me tell you a really sad story that really helped me in my life as a musician. Eh, I'll, I'll get to it at some point and we never do. Right. Or how about a goal? Like, uh, I kind of think I should go back and get my master's in music ed or something, but maybe next year, maybe next year. maybe. And we, we're always putting it off, right? But I would say to everybody that you probably have a lot more energy and a lot more skill and a lot more talents than you think you do on a daily basis. And don't hold back because your kids deserve the best of you. So that's, I, I took that comment from my principal and it, it, what it did for me in my career was it was kind of like a trampoline. It was, this huge rebound. And from that day on, I tell you what, man, I was double on fire, double on fire. So I really appreciated that he said that. And hopefully the comment of don't hold back can be of help to you. That's wonderful. Thanks for making the time to meet today. Well, thanks. Yeah. Oh, I really appreciate the time. And I, I really think what you're doing, Kyle, is is phenomenal. I, I, I uh, whether these podcasts reach 10 people on one day or a million the next day. I, I think um, the people you're bringing on and the, the time you've spent to, to give back to our community of music educators is just phenomenal. So congrats to you. Thanks very much. Thanks. We sincerely appreciate you taking your valuable time and listening to the Growing Band Director podcast. Your students are very lucky to have a band director like you. If you have any suggestions for episode topics or think you have an area of expertise to share on a show with us, please reach out. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your band director friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, and wherever you listen to podcasts.